You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I've got a question for you. How is your relationship with food? How is your relationship with food? It's kind of strange that we would have a relationship with something other than a person or our pets or things like that, but we all do have a relationship with food. And the reason that this relationship is so powerful is because it's intimate. This is one of the rare things in our reality that we make a part of us. Right? We are taking something from outside of our bodies and putting it inside of our bodies and it becomes a part of our cellular makeup. That is an incredibly profound experience. And that relationship really does guide so many different areas of our lives. And so today I want to focus on this relationship and talk about how we can swing the pendulum a little bit too much in one direction and have an unhealthy relationship with food that creates fear and worry and anxiety and potential disorder and how we can swing it back the other way and potentially land in a place in the middle because swinging the other way is where it's just a free for all, you know, if I see it, I eat it kind of situation, which is how I grew up. I didn't know that there was a difference with food. You know, if it was edible and I could eat it, it's food. I didn't know that there was a difference between, you know, say, uh, broccoli and a candy bar. It was just food. It's just stuff you eat. But today we know that everything that we eat does create a cascade of events. It's a chemical cocktail of events that takes place based on every single bite of food that we eat. If we look at things like nutrigenomics and nutrigenetics and how our genetics are wired up to uh, integrate and utilize certain foods better than maybe some other people who have different genetic setup and how certain foods influence the expression of our genetics based off of every single morsel of food that we eat. And so it's a big subject matter and how food interacts with our bodies, but our relationship with food and how we view food is one of the most powerful relationships that we will ever experience in our lifetime. And so really pumped about this episode and we've got an incredible guest with an incredible story to help to break down some of these parts for us. And before we do this, obviously a big part of our relationship with food, well, maybe not so obvious, is our sleep. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but when we're sleep deprived, we have big changes that take place with our brain and our hormones, our neurotransmitters. And what Stanford researchers discovered is that when we're sleep deprived, even one night, it increases the production of our hunger-related hormones like ghrelin, for example, and suppresses our satiety-related hormones like leptin and like adiponectin, for example. And so our food choices, as far as choosing things that are healthier for what we consider to be healthier for our bodies, our ability to do that in a more mindful, intelligent fashion, that goes down. We start to lose our ability to have this executive function to understand how different foods are gonna impact us. And we tend to have this craving for more sugar, for more carbohydrate-based foods. And so this happens for all of us. If we really take a good picture of it, so for me, if I ever experience a rough night of sleep or like a lot of travel, it throws my sleep schedule off some kind of way. But if I know that I'm not well-rested, I find that out by my cravings. Like I have a, I tend to be a little bit hungrier and I tend to want more sweet stuff, right? And so for me, it was like, oh, I can see that come up because of my relationship with food. Oh, I'm usually not hungry at this time or I usually don't have this kind of craving. And I start to analyze, did I sleep well? Uh, am I stressed? Because those events can influence my relationship with food as well. It's not just the food itself, it's also our other practices in our lives. So sleep is one of those things. And for me, Obviously, our sleep hygiene, right, this kind of term of sleep hygiene and our creating a sleep environment and a sleep sanctuary and doing things to encourage great sleep is one of the most important things that we can do for our health overall. Whether it's our body composition, our brain function, hormone function, whatever it might be, it has a huge impact. And obviously these things are important, but there are those things nutritionally that can help to support our sleep quality. And one of those things is the renowned medicinal mushroom called reishi. 
Now, in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior, it was found that reishi was able to significantly decrease sleep latency. So that means it helps you to fall asleep faster. It was also discovered that the test participants had improved overall sleep time, so they slept longer. And they also had improved sleep efficiency. So they had improvements in their transition from REM sleep to deep sleep and everything in between. There's, depending on which expert you talk to, there's about four different stages of sleep that we kind of analyze and qualify as being in sleep. And so Rishi was able to improve all of these different factors. Wow, that's crazy. Who knew that a medicinal mushroom could have that much power? When we're looking at, for a lot of people, they're turning towards synthetic supplements or synthetic over-the-counter and prescription medications to try to improve their sleep. But what happens is it's more like pseudo-sleep when we're taking some of these drugs that have like this masking effect where we're unconscious, but we're not actually going through our sleep cycles effectively and efficiently. And so we wake up, and I know this because this was my life back when I was struggling with my health, and I would be in a fog. I, I, I was unconscious for a certain amount of time, but I, I was not feeling refreshed. I wasn't waking up feeling good, and it took several hours for me to kind of snap out of that fog, and I go through that every single day. It was, it was torture. And now realizing that there are certain nutrients that have been around, nutritive foods and herbs that have been around for thousands of years that we have access to today. And so for me, I utilize the Four Sigmatic Rishi Elixir before bed. And it's a dual extraction. It's organic dual extraction of the reishi mushroom. And the reason this is important is that the dual extraction is actually getting all these compounds you hear in a study like this. Was it a hot water extract? Was it an alcohol extract? We don't know. But you're getting all of that with the medicinal mushroom formulas from Four Sigmatic because they're doing a dual extraction. So I'm a huge fan of Four Sigmatic and I highly encourage you to get some reishi in your cabinet. All right. And so for me, I love to have a cup of reishi, you know, maybe 30 to 45 minutes before bed, just in my wind down process. And it's just something that I love to do. And it definitely improves my overall sleep quality. So pop over there, check them out. You get 15% off everything that they carry at Four Sigmatic. So their reishi, their incredible chaga, cordyceps, their mushroom coffees, awesome stuff. 15% off everything they carry. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model for 15% off everything they carry. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled, Not What I Thought It Would Be, Until I Listened, by Petula's Mama. Sean is always bringing great guests and topics that help me learn how to live my best life. And his voice is so soothing. Awesome. I love this so much. Living my best life. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it immensely. And if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. I appreciate it so much. If you're hanging out with us on YouTube and you're in the studio with us, drop a comment below. Let me know what you thought about this show. All right. I appreciate you so very much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Kelsey Heenan, and she has an incredible story about transforming her life and her body and overcoming a very complicated connection and relationship with food, which you're going to hear about today. But right now, she is the co-founder of the brands Hitburn, Hitburn Max, and The Daily Kelsey. And today, she's impacting the lives of countless people all over the world. And she's worked with tens of thousands of people personally across the world to become healthier, happier, and more fit through her workout, nutrition, and mindset programs. She's worked with celebrities, professional athletes. Like I just saw her doing something really cool with Gronk, the Gronk, Gronkowski and Olympic athletes, CEOs, and people from all types of backgrounds and fitness levels. Her work has been featured in publications like Shape, Women's Health, Men's Health, Strong Fitness Magazine, Fox, MSN, and the list goes on and on. And she specializes in helping people to have a better relationship with food and exercise, which is often the missing link when trying to create a healthy lifestyle. And now we're going to jump in this conversation with the amazing, incredible Kelsey Heenan. I'd love to dive in and kind of talk a little bit about your story and how you got into this space in Mm -hmm. the first place. And I think it's such an important conversation because 
wow, I mean, we just have so much coming at us today. Mm -hmm. There's so much to think about. There's so much, you know, judgment, but your kind of beliefs around diet and exercise and your beliefs about yourself led to a situation where you almost lost your life. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I grew up as an athlete and I loved playing basketball. It was something that gave me confidence. I was always super shy and could never really express myself through words. But when I started playing mm. sports, that was really when I was able to come out of my shell and just be who I was and found a ton of confidence in that. So played all through high school and then played in college. And college was a really hard transition for me. And I think it is for a lot of people, just yeah. so many different things happening. I moved across the country, played at a high level. And so it was just very competitive and all these new things at once. And through that first year, I started to basically be like, okay, if I'm not getting the playing time that I want, I'm going to become the best I can be. I'm going to work out harder. I'm going to work on my nutrition so I can just be better. And so I started doing some different things and working out more. And it eventually got to this point where it went downhill incredibly quickly. Mm. <laughs> and I, I lost a about 30% of my body weight in a couple of months. And it got really scary to the point where I eventually went to the doctor and my heart rate was so low and they said I could go into cardiac arrest at any point because I was, yeah, just so unhealthy and unstable. It was a really scary time in my life. Mm -hmm. So what was the diagnosis? Yeah, anorexia uh -huh. nervosa, yeah. And then I also had a ton of exercise compulsions as well. So mm -hmm. it was the kind of thing where if I didn't get in whatever the workout was that I expected for myself, I would just be filled with incredible anxiety and would compulsively exercise for hours and hours and hours at a time. Wow. Yeah. That is, wow. So there's usually a trigger though. I mean, I know that you were going through a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, the transition and, yeah. you know, the competitive stuff, mm -hmm. but was there some kind of triggering thing for you that was like really driving this behavior? I like to call it the perfect storm because there wasn't necessarily one indicator, but I think it was a combination of things all at once. And one of them is is personality type. I am a type A personality. I have always been very driven, high expectations, perfectionist. And that was something, you know, playing basketball at a high level was really important to me. Getting really good grades was really important to me and just being the best person I could be. And so I think that there is a genetic component to potential eating disorder behavior. And there's a lot of research that's going on right now to support that. And I was actually participating uh, at UCSD in a study because I'm now recovered from anorexia. So they were doing a study in MRI brain scans on just what a brain looks like for someone who is recovered. And it's, yeah. the, it's still going because they're trying to find more people who have recovered. It's something that a lot of people don't recover from. And so... I think that personality type is definitely a piece of it, potentially genetic predisposition. I think that athletics is a very interesting thing. And I know so many different female athletes and athletes in general. This is something that goes beyond gender as well, that struggle with body image, that struggle with nutrition and, and exercising because they're trying to perform. They're trying to be the best that they can be. And there's certain types of sports where you have to be a certain weight or look a certain way to be able to perform better. And I know so many people who have gone through this. And if the, even if it's not a clinically diagnosed eating disorder, so many people go through be disordered eating behaviors. Right. So many people, mm -hmm. so many of us. And this is why I'm so grateful to have you on today to, to open this conversation up a little bit more because there's levels to it. Yeah, you know, it you were at an extreme level mm -hmm. and part of that is your extreme personality, yeah. you know, but that's why your jumper was so hot too. Like <laughs> just seeing the little clips, like it was so dope to see that. But, you know, I, I think also there, well, just to kind of mirror back for just a moment, when you mentioned the studies being done, looking at mm -hmm. the brain and I, this is a recent episode we had on Dr. Sylvia Tara, mm -hmm. and she was talking about this, the science of fat, mm -hmm. which is just super fascinating stuff. We'll put that in the show notes for everybody. But as you know, this is thrown around a lot, but the brain is mostly fat. It's actually mostly water, but when we're talking about the mm -hmm. solid structure of the brain. But we see this in folks with anorexia specifically, that the brain is shrinking. Yeah. You know, it's just literally uh, kind of 
being eaten mm -hmm. in a sense. But your body, it's there's a difference between like structural fats and mm -hmm. nutritive fats, but your body doesn't care at that point, you know, when somebody's so deficient. So it's it's for all of us to open this conversation up. It might not be at that extreme, but there might be things that we're doing that's that are hurting our brains. Oh my word, absolutely. You know? I mean, just thinking back to those moments when I was struggling and, you know, I would get out of the shower and I turned around one time and I looked at my back and it was bones. And I didn't recognize myself. Mm. And it was this moment where I had this devil on my shoulder, angel on my shoulder. And, you know, the angel was saying, oh my gosh, Kels, this isn't you. What is happening? And then the devil on my shoulder was saying, you're doing great. Keep it up. And it was this weird thing that was happening inside my brain. And that was the disordered eating, you know, experience where where it's like okay there are moments of clarity where it's like this is not okay but then your brain is saying all of these other things that don't make sense and that same day i get out of the shower and i go to put on my clothes and i get my favorite pair of jeans out and i i put them on buttoned them zipped them up and they fell to the ground and it was the thing where i was so terrified but also proud and it was a really scary experience because I have always been driven. I've always been very reliable and been able to trust my instincts. And it was in those types of moments that I thought, who am I? What is happening to me? I don't know what is going on with my brain or my body. And I just didn't know who I was anymore. Mm. Well, this is an important point. Um, and also, so I got, there's two questions here, Yeah. but what was the thing that help to pull you out of that, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously that is a scary place to be. But So what helped to pull you out and also the work that you're doing today and all the impact and I can see all the communication, I could see, you know, just people being inspired by you, you know, so what led from that to you wanting to speak out and to help mm -hmm. other people and to share your story and to, you know, be the inspiration that you're being today. Yeah, I, it was a journey for sure. And when I was so sick, I needed treatment and I needed medical attention. And that was the first and foremost, most important thing in my life. And for me, I, like I mentioned, I wasn't able to really make that decision at that point. It, there was, you know, a time where Dennis, who was my boyfriend at the time and is now my husband. Shout out to Dennis. Uh, right? <laughs> he, he, we had a couple of different moments together that were really kind of come to Jesus moments where it's like, this is not normal behavior. What is happening? And in those moments, that's when Dennis said, hey, either you need to tell your parents what's going on or I'm going to. Because there was a couple of different panic moments around food where I just lost it. And I, I couldn't control myself. And I was so scared to eat these types of foods that he said, this is not okay. There's something going on. You need to talk to your parents. So I, one of these moments was the 4th of July and we got a pizza delivered and it was this ooey gooey cheesy pizza. And, and to most people that they would open that up and be like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. And to me, I opened the box and instant panic hit me. I was terrified to see all of that cheese, all of that fat, the, the crispy crust, all of those carbs, all of those things that I thought were going to just be so terrible for me. And it was a really scary experience. So when I opened it up, I just immediately burst into tears and freaked out. And Dennis, I mean, just this college kid, you know, just yeah. hanging out with his girlfriend is like, what is happening right now? But he you know, even though he didn't fully understand what was going on, he knew that it, it wasn't okay. So that's when he really was like, you need to talk to your parents. So I called my mom and said, hey, I think something might be going on. She flew out the next day. And that's when we went to the doctor. And they weighed me and I was terrified to see it, but also felt that same victory. And in that moment, that's when they took all the tests and said, hey, you have to stop exercising. You need to be refed now. Otherwise, it's not going to be a good outcome. Mm. So step one was getting help. Yes. And thankfully having good people around you. Um, but it's difficult to hear them in, in those times. Oh, yeah. And so like you said, it was a process. So when did things like kind of turn the corner? Mm -hmm. So uh, after that experience, I 
went into treatment. So I went to UCSD and they have an intensive family therapy program. And so I went into that. So Dennis and my mom came with me and it's a really powerful thing to go through that type of experience. First of all, it was humbling because I was 21 at the time mm -hmm. and the cohort that I was in, there was 16 year old, 14 year old, and like a nine year old, and then me. Oh my goodness. And so it was one of those things where I'd always been an overachiever and like, what am I doing with these children? Why am I here? This is ridiculous. So it was those types of things. But then that first night in treatment, I, uh, well, all of the families went out and got a meal for all of the patients. And it felt like one of those uh, fear factor type situations where they got one of our feared meals. And Dennis and my mom got a huge plate of spaghetti from CPK. And I hadn't eat pasta in forever. It was one of the things that I was absolutely terrified of. And so it had pasta and chicken and veggies in it. And so when they got it, I was filled with fear, but I wasn't gonna break. And so I started eating some of the chicken and some of the veggies. And the therapist said, wow, Dennis, what do you see Kelsey doing right now? And he said, she's picking around, she's not eating the noodles. And so um, she asked my mom to give me an amount of food that she thought would be acceptable for me to eat. And my mom put, you know, a couple scoops of pasta on my plate and I was livid. And then Dennis said, that's not enough, she can eat more than that. And he proceeds to dump the entire bowl of pasta onto my plate. And I just burst into tears lost it in front of all of these strangers. It was the most humiliating thing I've ever gone through because it was uncontrollable. Mm. Um, but in that moment, I was like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. There has to be a better way. I, I'm sick of being sick and we got to work through this. And so it was a struggle, but going into treatment was one of the biggest things that really helped me go forward because I started to get the tools in treatment that I needed to continue the aftercare. And afterwards, I was able to continue and I sought therapists and I practiced and had the accountability that I needed. And that was a really huge thing for me. Yeah. It's really, and this is what's coming up is just how powerful food is mm -hmm. in our lives. To have an emotional response like that to food mm -hmm. and just understanding food is, and this is the, the, the most interesting thing about food versus any other kind of uh, addictive behavior or uh, you know, these quote bad habits is that we have to engage with it, yeah. right? We can avoid the environment for alcohol or drugs mm -hmm. or whatever the case, smoking, whatever it might mm -hmm. be. But food is something that for many of us, we're faced with this, you know, the decision mm -hmm. and interaction multiple times every day. Yes. And this can drive us crazy mm -hmm. because we are very much in our heads about it and not looking at things from a physiological perspective, right. like just what our bodies need. Food has become this, it's like a source of entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's a source of bonding. It's mm -hmm. a source of, um, you know, experience and adventure. There's all these different things tied to it, which can be beautiful, but it really is based on our psychology, mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, with that said, coming out of that experience mm -hmm. and how could you gracefully get from that spot to a spot of becoming somebody who's an influencer? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, in the true sense of the word, in a positive fashion for health and fitness? Like how did that possibility take place? Well, I don't know if it was graceful, but it was a process that was important. And so on the last day of treatment, I, I had a dream. So the night before my last day, and I was trapped in a basement and it was super dark and it was cold and it was wet and my hands were tied together and my ankles were tied together with these ropes and they were so itchy and it hurt and I was just struggling and I was just trying to get free because I was locked in this basement and the more i struggled i i knew like okay i have to get out of this otherwise like i'm gonna be stuck here forever and in that moment the ropes burst into a thousand pieces and the ends were completely frayed and i heard audibly in my in my dream that these ropes are so frayed they will never grow back together and it was like in that moment, I knew that I was going to be released from this bondage that I was experiencing. And it's not like 
from that moment on, I was completely healed. But that was the that was the confidence and the the grace that I needed to know that I could work through this and that I could be completely healed. And it was a really powerful thing that I clung on that I clung to. And I knew at that point that I needed to, even though there were going to be hard days, I knew that there would be better ones ahead. And so I just persistently worked the program that we said we would continue after treatment. And a year after the treatment process, I worked really hard and had tons of accountability at overcoming all of the foods that I feared and developing a healthier relationship with exercise. I stopped exercising for at least six months and then eventually started working it back in to to really break all of these rules and compulsions and not have any sort of restriction around anything that I was doing. And a year later, I was symptom-free and just really continued to, to nurture that experience so that I could really be not only fully healed, but I knew eventually that I wanted to help people create this balanced lifestyle where they can be informed about food and and work out to be healthy. Like these are things that we need, right? But to not be so trapped in these experiences because not everyone's going to go through the, the depth of an eating disorder that I went through. But if you surveyed the planet, I would highly anticipate 99.9% of people have struggled with body image or not knowing how to feel their bodies well and have guilt and stress around food at some point. Mm. So that was something that was really important to me, but it took a few years to to really be able to get to that point. And, you know, at, in 2014, I joined Dennis, my husband, online uh, doing fitness stuff. And that was a really amazing thing to be able to, to get to that point. And over the years, we've just really fostered the voice that we want to to put out there and people have resonated with that mm. so what i mean you went to what was your degree in it was sociology, sociology right yeah. <laughs> and th- for and this is so crazy i mean there's many people who are in the health and fitness space mm-hmm. that didn't plan on landing here sure um but when did you know like this is the thing that you want to do because yeah. you and we were talking about this earlier but so many people who I love and respect and who I've had on the show, like you've been doing stuff with for a while, like mm-hmm. Don Saladino, yeah. shout out to Don, Superhero Don. He's Put great. <laughs> all of these episodes in the show notes, Michael Morelli, yep. uh, Eric Leha, who was just mm-hmm. on the show recently. And you're just, you're out here like, you know, connecting and inspiring people and putting together programs. What, what made you believe like this is the thing that you mm-hmm. want to do and dedicate your life to? Well, when I studied sociology, I knew that I wanted to help people, and I didn't know exactly what direction that was going to go in, and so I tried a bunch of different things, and you know, eventually after my healing process, I just knew. I, I had found so much confidence and empowerment through sports and athletics mm. that I knew that that could be translated into fitness and help create this ecosystem for people where they could be fit and healthy and look the way they wanted to look, but also just experience freedom in life. And so after treatment, I really knew that that's what I wanted to do, but I knew that I needed to really go through that healing process fully and then, you know, go through all my certifications and all of those things and just be fully informed to help people help themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that you advocate for is and believe in is this practice of intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Now, when we hear the word intuitive, that's really a big, like it's a far cry from like calorie counting Mm -hmm. and counting macros and a lot of the other rules in diet. So um, first of all, what is intuitive eating? Yes. And why are you somebody who's a big advocate for this? Yeah, so intuitive eating basically is learning how to honor hunger and fullness and having the absence of dieting rules. So. There are lots of different ways that people put this into practice and there really are some different phases. So for me going through, you know, a history of disordered eating, there was a really long phase where I was not worrying about nutrients whatsoever because mentally I needed to get over having all of those rules in place. And that was a really important process for my healing. And then afterwards, it's, there's nothing wrong with being informed about nutrients. I think that's actually very important so that you can understand how to fuel your body well and under, understand that protein is used in your body differently than carbohydrates and all of those types of things. But you can be informed and also not have all these really super strict rules. You can yeah. be healthy and, and still be able to honor your body's hunger and fullness because our bodies are smart. They, they know how to run well, but we 
so often restrict and create uh, disruption in, in our bodies because of all these prior history of dieting. So I think it's really a beautiful thing once we learn how to become more attuned with what our bodies are telling us. And intuitive eating is so important. And I think that people, it can be learned, but it's the kind of thing, you know, we're born learning how to, knowing how to do this, yeah. but we just, yeah. we don't trust it. And then we go through all of these different things. And so people think often, if I eat intuitively, I'm just gonna eat pizza all the time, or I'm just gonna eat cookies all the time. And it's, you know, if, if you did that, you would realize that you don't really feel that good right. when you do that. And so that's where you can be mindful and also honor your body at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That was a tough word for me early on. Yeah. You know, being a very just analytical person, totally. science-minded person, when I would hear intuition, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But there's something that like we all experience and I experience, but I couldn't describe it. So I just like sweep that under the rug. Totally. But for me, I feel like the best definition of intuition is advanced pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. And just being able to recognize the patterns and mm -hmm. paying attention to your internal uh, conversations, mm -hmm. internal feelings, you know, and I, you can see the patterns like, oh, this feels good. That doesn't feel good. This right. is attractive. This isn't attractive, whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. But with intuitive eating, you're also opening it up to experience all of it, you mm -hmm. know, and that's so freeing because it's breaking away from which we'll also talk about, which is the dieting mentality. Mm -hmm. So let, what is that? Dieting mentality, that's a great question because so many people live in this every single day, no matter what way of eating. If you experience fear and anxiety and guilt and stress around eating, you're probably experiencing some sort of element of dieting mentality mm -hmm. where you're having strict rules and regulations about the types of foods that you eat and what you don't eat. And there's often a morality tied to it. So I am good or I am bad if I eat or don't eat this food. So this food is off limits or this food is allowed. And it just is this whole uh, this or that right or wrong. And it becomes something that can be really detrimental to people because it it's one thing to again be informed about nutrients but if if something is working for you physically but your mindset is a mess and you are so stressed all the time and feeling guilty and hating yourself that's not really working for you mm. you need to have all of it working together yeah yeah i remember you know just running my clinical practice and every week people would come in and they say you know i was, I was bad today yes and like it never felt good. And I wasn't at the place that I am today in this communication, but I always just immediately jumped to, it's all right, yeah. it's okay. Like this is, you know, whatever. And then we move on. But people start to connect their eating behaviors to their um, definition of who they are as a person, mm -hmm. right? I was bad, so I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's something that is, it's so hard to, hear other people say that. And we, we do a lot of challenges with people. And the first week is always so hard because people are experiencing so many feelings about how they have failed over and over and over and they just don't like themselves. And mm. it's it's something that so many people go through. And this isn't just in the eating disorder community. This is this is general population, people who really suffer every single day because of this dieting mentality. Mm. Let's break down some of the pieces of the dieting mentality, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and again, you mentioned this already. We have the preface that these things do matter, mm -hmm. but it's just, are we controlling them in a healthful way? Or are they right. controlling our lives? Yes. And so uh, part of that is calorie counting, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I understand absolutely that there are so many different things that can work, but calorie counting and macro counting was something that really led to my personal demise. And I've worked with thousands of people who have experienced this incredible anxiety because of it, because they want it to be perfect and they just don't want to screw up. And I get it. And and so I've been there. And so calorie counting, it's it can work to get physical results, but I do believe that it can really be taken to the next level where people just aren't in a good place mentally because of it. Yeah. So. It definitely like create like a neurosis, mm -hmm. like um, we can become obsessed, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, with the macros. And then within those constructs, there's this other side where, you know, and I did a show on this a few years back, but if it fits your macros episode and within that context, you know, we'll think that 
the quality of the calories doesn't matter as long as it right. fits my macros. And then we have this other side where they're managing and measuring their entire lives mm -hmm. to try to fit the macros. Mm -hmm. And both things, again, these can help to get results, but we just need to be mindful, like, are these creating disordered behaviors mm -hmm. where we're getting into this place where we fear food? Totally. And I know that I've, like you mentioned, like, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of us, if not all of us, have felt some kind of worry or fear or concern around us eating and making mm -hmm. food choices, which again, this can be an uh, indicator of something, you know, that can guide us. But mm -hmm. a lot of times it can be like a warning sign that there's mm -hmm. something we can address. Totally. And I guess it depends on your definition of flexibility too, right? Because so, mm -hmm. a lot of macro counters are the, if it fits your macros, crew, it's flexible dieting, right? You have flexibility as long as it fits in your macros, fair game. And, you know, there there are different kind of wavelengths of it. Some people understand, you know, needing to have like the energy balance of eating more whole foods and just incorporating the, the Pop-Tarts and whatever only periodically. But there still is that element of being captive to a rule where if it doesn't fit your macros, what then? Like, is there still guilt and stress and anxiety that you're experiencing because of that? And I know so many people who have experienced that. So that's why it's it's just hard it, because I know what it feels like to be there and I know it doesn't have to feel that way forever. And yeah. so I've just worked with so many people who have gone through that, that it's, um, yeah, it's a challenging thing for sure. When you said Pop-Tart, if people felt a little arousal, you know, mm -hmm. a little like, oh, you know, but this is like, I would never, um, I mean, I was there, I was a kid when Pop-Tarts came out, mm -hmm. you know, and I remember, because, you know, like every day we'd, I'd have like cereal or sometimes, you know, my grandma would make eggs and bacon or whatever, but Pop-Tart was a game changer. Oh my gosh, you know? what was like, your flavor? Uh, the cherry. Okay. You know, got I'm a cinnamon sugar girl. <laughs> I was I wasn't into that one. Yeah. Like I thought that that was for like my granddad. You know what I mean? Like that that's like old people flavor. Me and your granddad. <laughs> but today I probably would go be more attracted to that. But you know, um, even recently, you know, it was a couple years ago. But and there's songs like Have you ever had butter on a pop tart? Is I think it was like one of the like a TikTok or something. Okay. Anyways, but um, there was like some pop tarts at this. There was like organic, whatever. Yeah. And my son had never had any, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get these Pop-Tarts, yeah. you know, and just go ahead and like have this experience. And because it's like, it's okay, you know? Totally. And that's the thing, it's just, but I'm not gonna regularly eat Pop-Tarts because I do value feeling good. I'm not gonna be like 5% Pop-Tart. Mm -hmm. But if this is something that's attractive to me, I give myself permission because of course, it's like you talked about, of doing the work and, you know, being able to modulate and understand ourselves and our body and understand that everything is open. Mm -hmm. I think it's a big part of the intuitive eating. It is, it really is. If, if you have, if you truly had no food off limits, you would allow yourself to, to really understand what foods help me feel good physically, what foods give me energy, what foods help me be able to build the muscle tone. If you're wanting to build some muscle tone, you really can experience that. And then you can also not have the guilt or the stress if you decide, I want a Pop-Tart and I want my son to experience this Pop-Tart because that was something that was really fun for me as a kid. And you can experience food as fuel and you can experience food as a part of your culture or something that is a sweet memory and not feel guilty about it because you can really create moderation yeah. and and just balance in that way. And that looks different for everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. Um, this just reminds me, and I, again, I, see, I saw this so many times in the patients I was working with and in myself as well, it's so much more freeing. We tend to make better behavior choices, ironically, when we allow ourselves to have whatever it is that we want. Yes. Because there's this thing about the human psyche, we do not like to be told what to do. We don't like to be imprisoned. We don't mm -hmm. like to have rules, which just sounds crazy because like, well, rules help to create society. Totally. But when we, are, when we are boxed in, our natural tendency is to try to fight back. And so, if you suppress your desire, like if you really love pasta, like you mentioned, if you really love pasta and it's just like, you can't, the person you're working with is like, you can't have pasta ever. Mm -hmm. Like if you're gonna, you're gonna do this fitness show, you're gonna do whatever, pasta is no longer a part of your life. And you're like, but I'm Italian. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's, I, this is my DNA. Or right. like, maybe you're not Italian, but you're just like, well, you know, I, I worked at Pasta House, you know what I mean? Yes. Like those free breadsticks is my thing. <laughs> but when we tell ourselves we can't, 
it just starts to grow this like festering rebellion mm -hmm. that at some point it tends to just explode, right? And again, it's not saying that spaghetti is a great food for you to base your diet on. It's just saying that if you tell yourself you can't do something, you take it off the table, mm -hmm. it creates a greater attraction to it, whether you're conscious of it or not. Totally. And yeah, so, wow, thank I, you. I know so many people who, and I've experienced this myself, where it's like, if you if you say, I can't have the pasta or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're you know at this event and you have one bite of pasta and you think, wow, this is gonna be the last time I'm ever gonna have it, so I'm gonna go bananas yeah, and yeah. eat four plates full of pasta because I'm never gonna have it again. This is my yeah. last time. I swear this is it. It it just ends up being this this yo-yo of of yeah. overindulging rather than it like if you go to a Christmas cookie party and there's all of these options and you're like, those couple look the best. I'm gonna have a bite of this one. This one doesn't taste that good, so I'm not gonna eat that one, but this one was delicious, so I'm gonna have a second. It really allows you that clarity to eat what you enjoy and fully be present instead of just trying to not break the rules. Yeah. I wanna talk more about this because I believe that if we don't have some structure coming into this, mm -hmm. that some of us, we aren't at a place where we can make these kind of decisions mm -hmm. in a healthful way. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the pieces of intuitive eating. We're yeah. gonna do that right after this quick break. So sit tight, we'll be right back. Today, we're in the midst of a new revolution with our understanding of food. We used to just be focused on this macronutrient paradigm, proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates and proteins got a pretty good name, but fats were drugged through the mud. Why is that? Because it's called fat, all right? The name implies something different than the other two. Because when we hear the word fat, we think about fat on our bodies. Fat in food and fat in our bodies are two totally different things. And it's like thinking, if I eat blueberries, I'm going to turn blue. When you think that eating fat is going to turn you fat. It just doesn't work like that. And any of those three macronutrients can actually put fat on your body if you eat too much or the wrong types. Healthy fats, which I'm proposing that we start to call lipids or even energy, are incredibly important for every single function in your body. Your cells, every single cell in your body, we have upwards of 100 trillion cells that make you up, require fats to just maintain the integrity of your cell membranes. We're talking about the thing that holds your cells together and enables your cells to communicate. It's very important. Also your brain, your brain is mostly fat and water. This is why fats are so important. When you're deficient in fats, especially the right kinds of fats, you can see some big issues. So in order to address that, some of my favorite things today are MCT oils. And specifically, if we look at emulsified MCT oils that actually taste amazing. And these are median chain triglyceride oils that are extracted from things like coconut or palm. And these medium chain triglycerides have a thermogenic effect on the body, which means they are able to positively alter your metabolism. All right, that's number one, thermogenic effect from MCT oils, positively altering your metabolism. Number two, MCTs are more easily absorbed by your cells. So unlike conventional food of any type that has to go through a pretty arduous process of digestion, turning that food stuff into you stuff, MCTs are able to go directly to your cells and provide almost instant energy. And number three, MCT oils are very protective of your microbiome. There's so much research today about the importance of having a healthy microbiome and the integrity of our gut. MCT oils are one of those things that help to support that because they're especially effective at combating viruses, parasites, bacteria. There's so much goodness that is able to be found in these MCT oils, but you wanna get the good stuff. And for me, that's why I go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash M-O-D-E-L to get the emulsified MCT oils, which is like a coffee creamer. These are great to add to your coffees and teas, smoothies and things like that to get in a little bit of extra flavor plus all the benefits of MCT oils. They're easy to stir so you don't have to throw everything into a blender just to get a nice coffee drink, but also they taste good and they make the process of being healthy, fun and enjoyable. So head over, check them out. They've got vanilla, coconut, cinnamon swirl, and strawberry. It's one of my favorites. So go to onit.com forward slash model for 10% off your entire purchase, not just for the MCT oil, but all of the health and human performance supplements that Onit carries and all of their fitness equipment, gear, and so much other cool stuff. 
All right, head over there, check them out, onit.com forward slash model. Now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking with Kelsey Heenan, and this is a powerful, awesome conversation. And before the break, we were just getting into like, what are some of the tangible uh, action steps or the kind of structure around intuitive eating to help us to be a little bit more free and have a better relationship with food. And so I wanna go through a few of these. One of your tenants is no more dieting, mm -hmm. right? No more dieting. Mm -hmm. That's, what does that mean? That's kind of, that's like a big thing to say. It is, and it's something that sounds scary when you first hear it, if you're used to having dieting rules, but it's actually incredibly empowering when you start to practice this because like we were kind of talking about before, if you truly had absence of rules and allowed, you, allowed yourself to feel the difference in how your body responds to different nutrients, you would be so much more empowered because you'd be fueled better once you learn those types of nutrients that really fuel your body well. And you wouldn't experience the, the mental breakdown <laughs> that mm. so many diets cause. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the word dieting mm -hmm. is, it is a, words have power. They have they meaning. They have neuro associations mm -hmm. that we often aren't aware of. You know, there's certain words that just make us feel good. There's certain words that create and kind of conjure up um, fear, yes. deprivation, mm -hmm. restriction, like dieting in and of itself. It's a word that comes with restriction mentally. And dieting in, in definition really is a limited time. It's really not meant to be a lifestyle. I'm gonna go on a diet. It's it just that type of phrase means short term versus I'm going to be this way for life. And it's something that if you are trying to, you know, get ready for vacation or whatever, like, okay, but it's also like there are so many ways that you can live a lifestyle and feel amazing year round, be able to look the way you wanna look and not have any of these mental barriers. Yeah, these are some really good warning signs we can catch in ourselves. Absolutely. Like if we're doing something with the purpose of like, I'm getting in shape for my wedding, I'm mm -hmm. getting in shape for this vacation, whatever, you can, there's a higher probability, and I've seen this firsthand many times over again with the clients I was working with, that your diet and your dedication to this lifestyle has an end date mm -hmm. built into it. And so it's really looking at like, okay, I'm taking on this new lifestyle that I'm gonna carry with me into mm -hmm. this relationship or this experience. This can be a catalyst, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're, it's important and we can utilize goals for you know things like that, but it's, it's having it more so. And let's talk about that because I think it's a really like, broad thing to say, mm -hmm. you know, it's a lifestyle yeah. versus a diet. Totally. But like, what, what does that mean? It's a great question because so many people are like, okay, well then what do I eat? <laughs> How do I be able to fuel my body well? How do I be able to reach certain goals and also honor your body in the process? And like we were saying, it's, you can be informed about nutrients. For example, if I get in a crazy hard leg workout, I did some lifting, I got in some interval training and I am just crushed. I know that my body is going to need some protein and some carbohydrates to really be able to refuel, repair, build that muscle, and it's gonna help me be able to be more energized. And also, I love carbs. And so mm -hmm. that's like a beautiful way to look at it where it's like, I know that this is gonna fuel my body incredibly well, help me work towards my goals, and I can also honor my body. And I love rice. I, I love you know being able to eat sweet potatoes and potatoes and all these things that are so delicious. And so it's a great way to be able to create that balance. Mm -hmm. Another one of these tenets is to burn your never ever list. Yes. And we talked about this a little bit, already, but can you just define that a little bit more for us? Sure, so a never ever list is the list of forbidden foods that a person has. And this obviously looks different for everybody. And I had my own list when I was going through my eating disorder. And so I quite literally went through the list and accomplished overcoming these feared foods because I, if I, for example, I didn't eat red meat for six years because for whatever reason I was like, I'm not gonna eat it, not as good for me, whatever. So I cut it out and there was this point where Dennis said, Kels, I'm not cooking two meals. He loves to cook, I hate cooking. Um, he said, Kels, I am not going to cook two dinners anymore. You have to eat this meat, you cannot do this anymore. And I said, okay, let's do it. And I, I ate the meat and I was like, wow, I actually like beef more than chicken, right? <laughs> and it was something that was 
it was really powerful for me and, you know, me in my perspective is just is something that is really important and helpful. And I do believe that no food should be off limits because then you can really create that ecosystem. But going through and not having foods that are forbidden allows you to be able to enjoy foods periodically and not have like we were talking about these, you know, episodes where you just go on yo-yos where I'm not going to have it. And then all of a sudden I overeat it right. because of that. Right, right. That's such a man. That's so powerful. You know, because again, um, it, it holds a psychological dominion mm -hmm. over our lives. And I love um, Shanti. Mm -hmm. So we were just talking about him before the show. Uh, he has this thing now. It's called Donut Fridays, mm -hmm. right? And it's become like a phenomenon. I love right? that. And for him, it's like, again, being that fit. He's the fitness guy. Yeah. Like he's been in more people's homes on their televisions than like anybody else in, in fitness. And maintaining that, you know, like he had, of course, like he went through these phases of like, sure. you know, with the dieting being very restrictive, mm -hmm. but now it's just like open this door of like, this is what we do. And even he's got the, his twins, they're two, mm -hmm. they just turned two, but they're like, Donut Fridays, you know, like so they know cool. Donut Fridays yeah. too. But that doesn't mean that the overall structure, I mean the overall, yeah, I could say structure, but, mm -hmm. Uh, he enjoys feeling good yeah. as well, you know. So he eats the majority of his diet foods that make him feel amazing. But it just so happens that having this donut every Friday, a couple of donuts, makes you feel good as well mm -hmm. for a different reason. And but the majority of his diet is, you know, real whole foods, all the stuff we talk about. Yeah. And so, burn your never ever list. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the story you mentioned when opening that pizza, mm -hmm. right? So yep. do. What if was if does it feel like that now? Oh my gosh, no! It's I I truly feel thankful that I, I don't experience those things anymore because so many people continue to do that. But treatment and therapy and practice and continually being like, no, if I, for a long time, I, I would, if I had a fear or any pang of anxiety around a certain food, I knew that I had to eat it. I had to overcome it in that moment. And if that gave me fear, I was ordering it and I was going to do it. And so the more I practiced that, the easier it became. And then I didn't experience fear and I started to be like, wow, that was that was fun. I enjoyed that. That was a great time with my friends. And when you do that, when you practice that, it it really takes the fear and the power away from those disordered thoughts with that type of practice. So what would you say to somebody they're like, I, I'm burning my never ever list, but mm -hmm. I just do I do want to eat pizza all the time. I want to mm -hmm. eat pizza every day. Yeah. So so a great foundation is to just figure out what what does majority look like in your life and so for the majority of your meals try and choose foods that are whole nutrient dense foods and then maybe have a few meals per week where you're really enjoying those foods and honoring hunger and fullness is a huge piece of that and when you're really starting to listen to what your body's telling you as far as oh i'm starting to get a little full or i'm still hungry it's it's a really powerful thing because a lot of times people will undereat and they'll say, oh, I can only have, you know, a couple bites of this or whatever, or, you know, even a nutritious meal. They're only allowing themselves a very small portion of everything. They end the meal still hungry. What happens later? They're still hungry. They're still thinking about food. Food is constantly on their mind. But what if they really allowed themselves to just satisfy their hunger where their stomach isn't too overly full, but you're not experiencing hunger, that kind of nice satiated feeling. When you practice what that feels like, you're not going to be thinking about food for the rest of the night and then reaching for whatever is in the cupboard afterwards. It allows you to really be more mindful and that actually helps your body respond better. Mm -hmm. And also, I've heard you say if people are feeling like you want to have pizza every day, try it. Go ahead and, and give Honestly, it a shot. Honestly, that's what I tell Like, If someone says that to me, I say, do it. Eat the pizza every single day and then report to me in a week. How are you feeling? What is what is going on? And it's a, it's a really cool thing because you see the walls. Well, first it's anxiety. They're like, what? Mm -hmm. Why would someone tell me that? And then after a while, they're like, if they do practice that, they're like, well, that pizza kind of started to lose its luster after a while. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people do experience that where it's like if pizza doesn't become this coveted thing that you, it, you can't ever have, yeah. it really takes the power away from it where you can pick and choose the moments where you enjoy it. And it just becomes so much easier. I love this so much. Um, and so you just mentioned, this is another ten tenet with uh, intuitive eating, to learn when your hunger is satisfied. And this is just, some of the things we can do is just, of course, slowing down. Sure. Um, not being distracted when you're eating. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and this is something I would just see, you know, people are eating great food, mm -hmm. high quality, like all the stuff they're, quote, supposed to eat, mm -hmm. but they inhale it. Like, yeah. it's gone. They're done two, three times faster mm -hmm. than everyone else. Mm -hmm. So they don't even get the chance to know that they've had enough. Right. Right? So is there anything else that people can do to be a little bit more uh, tuned in to what their body's saying when they're eating? Yeah, so those are great. Those are great tips because so many people eat so fast or they're in a car or they're in front of the TV and they're not really feeling fullness. And so that's something that's really important to practice is just being mindful about how am I feeling? What are the types of foods that I'm eating? How um, How's my energy after this meal? Am I tired? Am I lethargic? Do I feel energized? What are these things that I'm feeling? And being just taking notes for a while on how your body is responding to these different types of meals is really important. And then pausing throughout the meal, like you were saying, is, is something that's really good. And then also if you find that you can't feel the fullness yet, you don't know what that feels like, but you're constantly thinking about food, maybe go back and have a couple more bites of something. Maybe that's something that you're experiencing mentally. Sometimes if you just go back and have a couple more bites, it's like, okay, I'm not thinking about food anymore. I'm good to go. Um, you could also think about, am I tired at 2 p.m.? How am I feeling? Like maybe I'm not getting the right nutrients to, to fuel me well. There's just so many different elements that you can go through that are really helpful when you're learning what it feels like to listen to your body. Perfect. There's several other ones mm -hmm. that I would love to talk about, um, but we'll just touch on two more really quickly. Uh, one of them is, and this is so huge, is to cope with feelings outside of mm -hmm. food. Yeah. Why is that? So many people utilize food when they are feeling stressed or depressed or tired and just as a, as a way of relaxation. And of course, food is, you know, it is a great thing to enjoy it with friends and it can be fun, but sometimes it can be something that is just used as a coping mechanism. And so really being aware of that is a powerful thing because then you can get down to the root of how you're feeling to be able to cope with it in other ways. So food doesn't become the go-to source. So if you find that you're just mindlessly going to the cupboard or just continually eating and not really feeling that fullness or at the end you're like, oh my gosh, I ate way too much. Finding other things outside of food is so important. So if you find uh, maybe calling a friend or going on a walk or figuring out other types of activities to help you be able to feel the feelings and work through the feelings outside of food is really important. Mm, absolutely. So important. Mm -hmm. uh, just a little quick tip here. You know, again, this everything is still open and yeah. available. You know, even if you are stressed, you're like, you know what? I'm stressed. I need some chocolate. Mm -hmm. Like this doesn't take that off the board. Right. It's just understanding like let's work with these feelings so we're not in this position as often. Right. You know, but the best time to have that chocolate or the pizza is actually when you're not stressed, right. when you're feeling good, mm -hmm. because your body is going to digest that food differently, mm -hmm. you know, and that's one of the little tips that we talked about on another episode, but that's so good, so powerful. Um, and this one is super important as well, is to acknowledge and respect your body and shape, mm -hmm. to acknowledge and respect your own body and your own shape. Mm -hmm. Why is this an important factor to take into consideration? Yeah, so many people have an ideal of what they want and, and don't have. And it's so easy to covet what someone else has and say, oh, I wish that I looked like this or like that. But if you really start to appreciate what your body does for you versus just what it looks like, it's a really powerful thing. And so that's why I love to help people focus on building strength. Like when they're when they're trying to, you know, maybe make body composition changes or be just feel better about themselves in general when we switch to focusing on strength versus a number on the scale or even like inches around your body you're going to start building muscle you're going to stop start dropping body fat but and maybe looking the way that you want to look but it becomes about what you get to add to your life versus what you have to take away mm. and so when someone really just comes to peace with who they are as an individual, what their body does for them, all the amazing things about them outside of how they look, they become so much more appreciative of who they are and it just takes that stress away so much more. Yeah, and what I really love, and the, this was the moment I was like, I absolutely have to talk to her mm -hmm. and have her on the show, is you did a post and you actually posted up some of the comments that you get, you know, the haters, right? Yeah. So the, the the treasure trolls out there, well, no, no disrespect to treasure trolls, I'm sorry. Treasure <laughs> trolls got the jewel, they're cool. But you know, these, the quote, internet trolls. Sure. And it was, a lot of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, they don't highlight or share like what other people are saying to them. And somebody who's kind of out in the public eye and, you know, people posting like, you know, your shoulders are too muscular mm -hmm. or whatever and all this judgment. And some whack person was like, even ew. Like, yeah. and most people that would see you and even, you know, myself, like I see you, I think you look amazing, you're strong, you're functional, you're inspiring. Like you just, it, it's just apparent that you care about yourself and mm -hmm. especially to know your story and where you are now, like it's super inspiring for me. But just people out of nowhere, they'll say stuff that they would never say to your face. Mm -hmm. So what about that aspect? You know, when you're talking about to acknowledge and respect your own body and shape, mm -hmm. but yet we've got people that will judge you. How do we deal with that? I, I love to use those opportunities to show others that it's okay that everyone experiences these things. No matter what you look like, someone is going to say you're too this or too that for them. There's no one right way to look. So other people are always going to say and have opinions about how you look. And because it's so easy to, to look at someone else and be like, oh, they're perfect. They you know, probably never get hate or anything. But it's really important to know, like, people often, I mean, sometimes they're just rude to be rude, but it really is often a reflection of how they feel about themselves. If they're willing to say that to me, a stranger who they have no idea who I am, imagine what they're saying about themselves in their own head and just the horrible, terrible things that they're experiencing because so many people go through that, even if they're not physically typing it into the comment. If you just go through social media, it's so easy to be torn down by not only the looks of others, but the lifestyles and the success and all of that through the highlight reel. It's it's so easy, but when you when you really take a step back and use those opportunities to show, hey, like we're all human, let's learn from this and be able to appreciate what our bodies do for us. It's yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, awesome. You are powerful, and it's been really great just now following you and seeing what you're doing. Um, it's opening up a really important conversation that we've touched on a little bit on the show, but today I was just really grateful to have you on to talk about this a little bit more because, again, I think so many of us have fears around food. We have worries and concerns. And, you know, of course, just being honest about the fact like there is a difference. Like mm -hmm. when I was growing up, I didn't know there was a difference with food. I just thought totally. if you ate it, that's that. It's food. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference in how it interacts with your cells and yes. what it does with your genes and your DNA and cellular repair, all this stuff. We get that. Yep. But it's also important to understand our psychology around this stuff and not allowing these things to kind of drive our lives and create more fear. So. And those two things can coexist. You can be informed and also respect your body and respect your preferences. Those two things can coexist. And I think that a lot of people need to ha take a deep breath and allow that to sink in. Yeah, so true. So where can people take a deep breath and hang out with you online? Yes, so my personal Instagram is the Daily Kelsey, and there you'll see about my life. And also I talk a lot about relationship with food and exercise and your body and just creating a healthy, joyful life. And then you can also find my, my website at The Daily Kelsey. And then uh, my fitness website is Hitburn, so H-I-I-T-B-U-R-N. And that's really the X's and O's of workouts and things like that. Yeah, and you've got some great programs with one of my good friends who's been on the show as well, uh, Michael Morelli. Yes. So you guys have Hitburn. Is mm -hmm. there Hitmax as Hit well? Hitmax as well, yep. So yeah. we just brought our companies together to, to try and help more people. Yeah, and that's what you're doing. And thank you. I thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. But more importantly, truly, thank you so much for sharing your story and for working on yourself. I know even just hearing the story and kind of I'm a very visual person, mm. just put myself in that situation where you're just breaking down in front of this pizza. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's like a huge prison that you, you that you were able to become free from. Mm -hmm. And it's just like super inspiring that you're opening up and sharing this story with so many people. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Totally. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. And hopefully this got your wheels turning a little bit about your relationship with food. And one of the big things for me is that we can have both, right? There's a big thing on social media, get you a girl who could do both or get you a guy who could do both. Get you a diet mindset that can do both, right? So we know about all these incredible intricacies and science with the nutrition that we talk about here on the Model Health Show, you know, um, nutrigenomics and, um, you know, all the different antioxidants and their capacities and all this cool stuff that we are still just scratching the surface on. It's really awesome and it can empower us to create the bodies and the health that we want. But we can also live a life of freedom and not be in fear 
of the things that we're quote, not supposed to eat. Because for me, all food has value and all, everything has value in life, you know, because it, if anything, it gives us contrast, right? Because I know for us, we can think there are some pretty gnarly or bad things out there in the world, but it gives us contrast. You know, we can't have the, the, the sunshiny days and the appreciation of that without the cloudy ones, you know? And so at some point, you know, even a Twinkie, for me, it was Chocodiles, all right? I was a big Chocodile fan when I was a kid. So it's a Twinkie covered in chocolate, if you don't know. And that has value, all right? It's not wild-caught salmon. It's not organic <laughs> broccoli. But if there's a zombie apocalypse and we are struggling to find food, you know, that Chocodile is going to have a shelf life of about a thousand years. You know what I'm saying? So it can keep me going for a day. Like it still has its place. It has value. Am I going to turn to the Chocodile on a daily basis? Probably not because I value feeling good. But it's still something that's here that is an option for us to eat. And it's just saying, you know what? I accept that that's an option for me. I appreciate that's an option for me. I just choose this. It's a much more powerful, empowering way to think, right? Versus like, that's off limits and I would never and creating that restriction for ourselves because it could just create some unhealthy behaviors. And I'm just using the chocodile as an example. There's so many other things, ding-dongs, ho-hos. What's with the names, by the way, with the hostess? Anyways, that's for another day. But listen, guys, I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, please share this out on social media. Tag me, tag Kelsey, and just let everybody know what you thought of the episode. And I appreciate that so much. We've got some epic stuff coming your way very soon. So be ready, all right? Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes, you can find transcriptions, videos for each episode, and if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome, and I appreciate that so much. And take care, I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.